Welcome to Last in Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last in Line Podcast. Gentlemen, thanks for coming back. Good to see you, even though I can't see you. Glad I'm glad you're here again. If you don't know, you are in the right place. This is Last in Line Leadership, and I'm John Shibley, your host, and I am blessed to be a part of this journey with you, uh, with us together, and guys, together we can make a difference. We can change what's going on. We can rise up as men, as warriors, as lovers, as fighters. We can be tender. We can be tough. We can have grace. We can have truth in all that we do. Um, the world doesn't want that, doesn't like that. It wants us passive and complacent, wants us comfortable, and it wants us uh, flabby and flaccid, but we're not going to give that to them. So we're going we're gonna to be a, be a tough out, as they like to say in baseball. We're going to be a tough one for them to conquer, a tough nut to crack. In fact, we're not going to crack. So thank you for being here. Hopefully this will be another feather in your cap, another uh, arrow in your quiver. It'll be another uh, round of ammo in your chamber for being the man God called you to be. So welcome to Last in Line. Welcome to another episode talking about servant leadership, talking about how we can serve the community, serve our fellow man, serve our families, be the guy that God calls to be because we were after all created in his image and we owe it to him. We at the very least owe it to him to give it a fighting chance and die trying to be this honorable, noble creature that he created to be strong and powerful. I don't know if you realize that. I mean, we were created to be strong and powerful. We we're created to be super rugged, super tough, not necessarily in a machismo bravado way, but, if for some reason you happen to look capable and strong out of other reasons besides vanity, then so be it guys. I don't think we should uh, harbor any shame or uh, resentment toward ourselves or timidity or uh, shyness or apprehension around that guys. If you put in the work and you're looking very good and capable and uh, strong and, and representing uh, your temple, your vessel well, then I say live live your best life. Um, obviously doing it with humility and, and with a servant's heart, honoring and glorifying God along the way. Guys, today, look, I got a good one. I got a, you know, something I don't usually talk about a lot because I don't view this as being one of my super gifts, one of my superpowers. Not that I have any really superpowers, but some people have spiritual gifts. We all have spiritual gifts, but I, I would lean, lean more toward my gift of, of writing and communication and leadership and uh, encouragement, those kinds of things that I feel like God has blessed me with um, more than uh, get my lighting right here. If you're not on YouTube, be patient for with me here. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're like me, you, you, may not necessarily view yourself as a super evangelist. But tonight guys, I know we're today I'm I know we're called to have an answer. Okay? We're we're called to have an answer for why we believe what we believe. We're called to be um 
noble ambassadors of the word and to live the the gospel out. So today I'm calling this Holy Spit. This is your episode today called Holy Spit. Three tips for improving your evangelism game. Now, I don't have, I mean, I guess I do have an evangelism game, but I don't necessarily think about it much. I don't necessarily consider it being game. But if you've been around the the hood at all or been around younger circles, we know that spitting game means you have verbal articulation skills and you're eloquently able to convey a message and communicate. Spitting game today, tonight, for the purposes of this podcast, is holy spit. You could take that holy and the four-letter S word, five-letter S word, how many word letters? Four, I guess. In the word we don't say, try not to say, but got to play on words here tonight. Holy spit. We're going to spit some game here and, and we're going to up and level up our evangelism game. So um, we know that what it's not, right? What effective evangelism is not, in, in my opinion, and I don't have necessarily scripture to back this up, although I might later, um, but we're supposed to be salt and light, right? We're supposed to season our words with uh, grace and truth. Not one or the other, but both. But we're not called to walk in a room and just start beating the drum of our beliefs and world Christian worldview and 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 demeaning or diminishing other people's viewpoints. It's not necessarily what we're called to do at all. That doesn't win souls to the kingdom. That doesn't uh, doesn't create a a target rich environment for influencing in a positive direction lost people. Uh, but guys, we're we're called to speak and not be apprehensive about speaking the truth. And Jesus came in and spoke eloquently. He spoke the truth. Um, he was transparent. Uh, he was very authentic and genuine, and that's what we're called to be: is to to uh, have a gentle heart, but a authentic and transparent heart uh, that is accepting and convicting, yet forgiving and merciful in what how we speak. So I'm going to give you three ways. Like if you don't consider this to be your gift, maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you're like me and you don't consider this to be something you practice, something you consider your strength, something that you're necessarily aware of. So I could be better at this too, is what I'm trying to say. And so we could be more aware when we go out knowing that we do have a mission. We do have the great commission, which is to win souls to the kingdom, right? To baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to spread the word to all nations, baptizing them. Well, maybe not literally, but we're called to win souls and witness about God's grace in our life, okay? And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. The Holy Spirit, three tips for improving your evangelism, okay? The first tip is... To, win, to own your own story, to own your story, okay? Get familiar with your testimony. Get familiar with what that sounds like. Rehearse that if you need to. There's nothing wrong with that. I say you got to make it a two-minute drill almost if you're familiar with football terms, and all of you better be, and football season's coming up hard on us, baby, and I love it. 
But a two-minute drill is a team that's that's fallen behind that are trying to make a comeback, and they only have two minutes left, and they're in a hurry-up offense, and they're shooting the ball down the field as quick as possible to get into scoring position as time is expiring. Okay, our time is expiring, whether you believe it or not. Our life is passing by. Our body is decaying one day at a time. Time is one thing you can't stop and control. Uh, so as time marches on and our clock is is running out, so to speak, I, I got to say, we, we need to be able to, to in a two-minute time frame, 90 seconds, quickly be able to verbalize what God's done, our testimony to a stranger, to somebody you may barely know, maybe somebody you've known for a long time that isn't on the same train spiritually as you are. You should be able to speak about your testimony, how you came to Christ, who you were before, um, what progress you've made, how it's beyond your strength, how it's not just you. You're not a self-made uh, man necessarily. You've had some opportunities and you've taken advantage of those and you've worked right very hard, um, but you're not self-made. It's not all because of you. It's beyond your strength only. Um, I, the Bible says, quite frankly, it's it's Paul talks about, I will boast in my weakness so that Christ's strength is magnified in me. And, and so we have to be able to say, in our talk, in our testimony, in our evangelism, we have to be able to make sure people understand if he can do it through me, he can do it through you. If he can do it in somebody as ordinary and broken as I was, he can do it for anybody. And I think that is something people are attracted to. They gravitate. They want to know more about that. When you have peace in a situation where everyone else has, you know, hell in a handbasket and 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 all hell busted loose and you're workplace, your social circle, your home, uh, in your neighborhood, if something has unraveled, yet you're still this anchor of stability and peace, someone's going to want to know what that's about. you got to be able to deliver that message. So you got to own your story. And for you to own your story, you got to be able to know it. you got to be able to talk about it. got to be able to practice, write it down, read it out loud, Get it down to that 90 seconds, two minutes. Get it concise to where it doesn't have to sound scripted, but it needs to sound genuine. It needs to sound lived. It needs to sound like you're bought into it. You believe your own story. Sometimes when we get in sales, especially, sometimes you can get so passionate, but you're just reading from a script and you think someone's going to buy from you, but you don't really believe your own product. You don't believe what you're saying. You have to live it to believe it and own it and buy in. So people need to see that about our faith. They need to see that about our testimony. So you got to have an elevator pitch, right? You got to have a two minute drill ready to go at all times. Um, you got to be transparent and humble in the way you deliver that. So, um, in fact, the reason I brought this even this even came to my attention is my son, who is a youth minister, youth pastor in our church. One of them, he is just he's almost up to a year in, in being in full-time ministry. And he asked me, you know, is there any, what ways can we create uh, a tool for people to be better at evangelism? Cause he has an evangelist heart. He wants to speak to large groups. His goal is to someday speak in front of thousands of people, but he wants to be able to create a way for everybody to get better at telling 
the world about Christ, telling friends how it's worked and how he's worked in their life. He's got that heart for making people better in evangelism. So it made me think about, I could be better. I don't consider myself good at it, but maybe I'm better than I thought, but maybe you are too. We just don't practice it. Like we're not intentional about sharing our story and it doesn't have to be in every situation with every stranger on every elevator in every line at the coffee shop. It doesn't have to be everybody, but as conversations develop, we can drop little seeds in conversations that, that spur curiosity that maybe even spur a question from someone. And then it opens a door, but you got to be able to be transparent. You got to be able to be humble in how God's worked for you. It's not recite all the scripture, make them feel convicted uh, or condemned, make them, uh, you know, feel less than they already did. It's it's not about you puffing your chest out about how great of a Christian you are. It's about, in fact, the opposite. It's about how God can take somebody out of the dirt, out of the ashes, because of our life before Christ, and He can work in us, changing our heart and molding us into something that we are now, which is still a work in progress. We're not ever going to arrive there. We we won't arrive there. It just won't happen. Um, but we will be better than we were. And that's what I hope people can see in the way you deliver that message. I got a scripture for you. So in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's really, in a nutshell, what we're saying to people. While I was a sinner, he died for me, and he de- he demonstrates his love toward me by that by doing that, by that sacrifice. So I feel like my life should be called to honor that and to represent him in a way that grows his kingdom and grows his family and wins, not wins, you don't want to say wins, but that demonstrates and makes it attractive, this Christian faith, for other people that don't know him. And that really is all you have to say. Um, Okay, number two, refine your radar. If number one is own your story, number two has got to be refine your radar. We've got to be able to, once we've polished up our message and and, and verbalized our story and our testimony, we got to refine our radar. we got to have those ears on, eyes and ears on to be able to see around us. we got to have our head on a swivel seeing where the hurting people are, seeing where curiosity might be, seeing where someone might be uh, gravitating toward us and asking a lot of questions. Maybe they're not faith questions, but they're questions about life, peace, about joy, about blessing, about prosperity, about things that they're lacking in their life. And they're asking us because it looks like we have our stuff together. Granted, we're not perfect, but there's a reason somebody's attracted to the way we live and what we represent. And so then if we're aware of that and we're not just so entrenched in our own life and our own with our blinders on going through life, hoping we just make it through the day surviving, we got to be able to open up, raise our head. Okay. Stick our chest out in confident assurance that we're ready for that lost person that might need to hear something, might need to hear a message of hope and faith and love and grace and things that we were given. We got to be able to open our mouth, but we got to open our eyes and our ears first to be able to see a hurting need out there, hurting people, some body or a group or 
this demographic that might be out there, a lifestyle social group that might need us, that might be hurting, that might just be going along like cattle with the pack because they feel like they're being heard and valued in this group. Maybe they don't want to be in that group, but maybe that group is accepting of them. We as Christians need to be a little more accepting of all people so that we have an opportunity to give that message of hope and and speak about the love and grace and truth of the gospel. So our eyes and ears, we got to be walking in a room just like you guys, you tough guys, you rugged guys. And I'm talking to, you know, I'm not saying it's bad, but just like we walk in and we have situational awareness of somebody walking in and shooting up a place, or we got to be on our guard defensively because we think there might be uh, a psycho nearby and we got to get a idea where all the exits are. I'm going to sit with our back toward the wall and facing the door. I do that. I'm not speaking in judgment to you, but if everybody's so into being that alert and aware, let's be alert spiritually. Let's be alert and open to somebody that might need to hear about the love of Christ and how he worked in our life. So we got to refine the radar. We got to read the room guys. Okay. You got to go in. You don't have to necessarily look and see, okay, who looks the most broken. All right. Who looks the most worse, worse off? Like who, who looks homeless in here or who's maybe a, that's a transgender person. So they need me more than these other. It's not that they need you. I think you just need to understand who in the audience might be willing and eager and hungry to hear a a message of hope. Because that's really what it boils down to nowadays is people are looking for hope. Any glimpse of hope that isn't going to cost them their an arm and a leg, isn't going to be somebody they can't trust, isn't going to be somebody taking advantage of them. They want hope that's real and genuine, and we can give it to them. And it all comes in the form of our spiritual life and and the love of Christ and, and the cross and the resurrection and what hope we have for eternity that's where their hope can be, and it costs them nothing other than a submission and a surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's all it comes down to. So we can boil it down in a nutshell without sounding like we're preaching or condemning somebody, talking down to somebody. It can't ever come across that way. We got to be the ones that are realizing we're low enough to be be broken and, and that we needed forgiveness and grace. And so we look up at, at the Father, and He gave it to us willingly. So refine your radar and notice who those people are. Notice where those hurting folks are, where that hurting uh, world that we walk around in every day with our head down, hoping nobody talks to us. Let's be more open to talking to people. Notice that there's a need because there is. And you got to understand the audience whenever you're deciding to have a conversation. Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe it's somebody you work with, but you got to understand the audience. Not everybody's ready to hear the full gospel message yet. Not everybody's ready to hear about all the Bible verses they need to learn so that they can walk free of these sins and bondages and addictions. Because that's a lot of people too. Got a lot of people out there in bondage, but we just got to realize, look, they just got to see that we're free and that freedom's available to everybody. Um, So we got to notice the need, but we got to understand where they are in life what season of life they're in, what stage of life, where our message has to meet them where they are emotionally, where their need is. Scripture I have for you here is Colossians 3.12. Okay, so embrace as the elect of God, holy and beloved, a spirit of mercy, kindness, 
humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. That one, I don't know if I've ever seen that one, or maybe it just didn't jump off the page like it did for me today, but I think you were meant to hear that scripture today. I think I was meant to hear it because I don't see, I don't remember that one unless I have another version that I would recognize, but this one really jumped off the page, especially for the talk today. Hopefully this was somebody needed to hear this, but let me read it again. Colossians 3.12. So embrace, okay, it's telling us, look, buy in, own this right here. But what I'm about to tell you, own it and embrace it, okay? As the elect of God, holy and beloved, so we are in that family. We are that royal priesthood, that holy nation, God's creation, his people, his family, his children, okay? Elect of God, holy and beloved. Okay, embrace these things right here. A spirit of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, which is a power under voluntary control, so powerful but under control, and long-suffering, okay? Patience, resilience, endurance. So all of that kind of goes into what I just said about understanding the need, understanding the audience, recognize, read the room, refine the radar, okay? And then as the elect of God, as the holy and beloved, we got to have a spirit of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Okay? That's good. That's so good. All right. Did not intend to get behind the pulpit today, guys, but I got to tell you, I don't I don't think there's a better time than right now to, to talk about this. The world needs us. More than just a flashy Bible verse that we post on social media once a week, the, the world needs us to engage. The world needs us to open our eyes and ears and understand our story, own it, and then be able to have the grace and uh, mercy to embrace everyone with that loving spirit that allows for them to be willing to hear the story of hope and where their eternity actually could be. All right. So I say all that to say I didn't plan to preach, but hey, preaching to myself too. Hopefully I'm preaching to the choir. Hopefully you're understanding a little more about evangelism and maybe it's stuff you already knew. But maybe it's giving you the courage and empowering you right now to walk out and see the world differently and be willing to have a conversation in love. All right, here we go. Last one. Align your actions. So in order to have a solid, credible testimony that's got weight and influence, obviously, it should go without saying, but it doesn't always. Our actions have to align with our words, guys. We've got to hamper the hypocrisy, hamper it, contain it, nix it, restrain it, because we're all tempted to somewhat be a little hypocritical. Sometimes we say what we don't do and we do what we don't say and those kinds of things. And that may not have even made any sense right there. But anyway, hamper the hypocrisy. We've got to align our actions with what we're saying, even though we're, we may be speaking words with seasoning of life and love and salt and light. But if we walk the next day in the office and we're stealing pens from the company supply closet or we're paying for lunch and expensing it on the company because we just didn't have enough money in our own account that week, but we're going to pretend we took a customer to lunch. These are ethical boundaries we can't cross if we want credibility. And that sounds straightforward, but to be the men that can look in a mirror and can actually look out into a hurting world and represent leaders and leadership and serve in a great capacity, 
We've got to align our words and our actions with our beliefs. They all have to be seamless. They got to be streamlined. Okay. There can't be a bucket here and a bucket here and they contradict themselves and they're at odds with themselves because we're living two lives. We say this, but we're doing this. We can't live a life of dichotomy. Okay. So we've got to hamper the hypocrisy. We've got to live the gospel. I think it was Mother Teresa that said, preach the gospel and use as few words as possible. I don't know if that was her. I think it might have been. Whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong. Argue with me is the new term now. Convince me, whatever it says. So I I think you guys get this. I'm not going to beat the horse on this one too much. But I have to stress the importance whenever my son asks me, what tool can we create for evangelism to help people better verbalize their faith to lost people? You could have the most polished message and testimony out there. It could be Billy Graham-esque from top to bottom. You could be the best testimony giver of all time. But if you're not representing that with how you behave— how you treat your spouse, your children, how you operate in the workplace, what you're doing with your buddies on a Friday night, what computer website, if I went to your history right now, what sites are you visiting? If those don't match, that the spotless, beautiful, polished, sexy testimony that you give, we have problems. We have a chasm that is the Grand Canyon, okay? And it's not winning people. It's not winning souls. If anything, it's driving them away. It's one of those, that's what I thought. I knew those Christians weren't real. I knew they weren't authentic. I knew they were hypocrites. That's what that's, we don't need any help there. Guys, the world already thinks Christian men, especially, are toxic and are hypocrites. And that we're the problem. It's because our evangelism needs some work. We're either convicting and condemning people because they don't believe how they should believe and they don't act how they should act, in our opinion, or based on even by the Bible. And we're making them feel worse about it. Yes, we can tell them what it says. Yes, we can share the truth. That's what we're called to do. But then we got to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit lead them back to the trough, okay? Lead them back to the cross. And... Sometimes we think we got to convince them all. We got to make sure they understand how wrong they are. We got to change their mind. Then we got to drag them kicking and screaming like a kid through Walmart back to the cross, back to the right way of living, back to what we think they should be doing. It's not necessarily our role. So the world thinks we've already crossed over into this group that they don't want to hear from. So let's change that dynamic. Let's change the way we articulate and deliver a message, an evangelistic message, a testimony. Okay, so let's recap. Holy spit here. Okay, we're spitting game, but it's holy and it's full of grace and truth. It's full of mercy, okay? Um, It's not full of condemnation. So here we go. Three tips for improving your evangelism game, leveling up your evangelism gift, if you will. Number one, own your story. Number two, refine your radar. And number three, align your actions with your words. 
Go get it right here, guys. It's time. The time is now. The world is hungry. They need hope, and we're that hope. So go speak about it. Get your holy spit in order and level up that evangelism game. With that, be blessed.